Hello, listeners, and welcome back to How Cool Are These Powers? I'm your host, as always, Donnie, and I'm here to talk about one of my favorite superpowers. Uh, these are a set of powers that come from the franchise JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's a very successful manga series and anime series as of more recently. Uh, it's been going on since 1987, and uh, it's filled with all sorts of uh, pop culture references, mostly like American, North American music. Uh, there's a lot of movie references, characters based on, you know, uh, movie actors and whatnot. And uh, it's, it has a lot of influences from uh, American horror movies. And horror movies from pretty much all over, but uh, mostly like American horror movies. Some of the stands in the third part mostly being inspired by uh, Chucky or uh, Freddy Krueger. And uh, yeah, so for this episode, I'm going to be talking about my favorite stand from each of the parts. Uh, each part has a very unique set of uh, stand abilities. Stand abilities, I guess, before I get into uh, my favorite stand ability. Uh, stands are essentially one's uh, fighting spirit characterized as like, it's like they summon a familiar that fights for them and they all have a different unique superpower and they're all, the, the power is basically connected to who they are as a person and sometimes when, um, when, if, when they have a stand, when they develop a stand, uh, the more their stand grows, it's kind of connected to them in how, like, they grow as a person. One stand in particular in the, uh, the fourth part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, uh, one of the main characters acquires a stand very early on in the part, and he's very shy and timid at the beginning and scared of combat and whatnot. And as the part goes and as uh, situations call for it, he starts to uh, kind of grow as a person and kind of become more confident in himself. And uh, his standability grows and reflects that change in, uh, in his own personality, ultimately culminating in his final stand being able to talk on its own. And when it does talk on its own, because of the fact that it's a representation of his innermost self, whatever it says is exactly what he's thinking, and it's it's how he's how he kind of wishes he was, or how he views himself now that he's grown into this into this person. Um, usually, they they can take all sorts of different forms. Sometimes they're uh, they kind of come out as like a, a a humanoid ghost sort of being, uh, an, an ethereal sort of being. Um, sometimes they can just be like a little thing of goo that can shapeshift into anything you need it to. Uh, sometimes it can kind of take the form of like a vehicle or it's just kind of an energy you put out that manipulates your surroundings. There's an orangutan that when it gets on a little dinghy, it looks like a big uh, oil rig or like a big uh, an oil freighter. And uh, it's just all all sorts of things. There's one stand where it's it's a sword. He you pick up the sword and and the stand possesses you. And uh, so there's there's all sorts of different things like that. Uh, I'll try to have a pretty decent variety among all the stands I talk about. That way I'm not pretty much just covering the uh, the standard punching stand that all the main characters have. Um, I'll talk about some of the different ones you see among the enemies too. Uh, there's a lot of different unique ones. The author seems to basically just open up an encyclopedia to a random page and throw a dart, and whatever it lands on in that page is what he's about to create a stand out of, because some of these stands are fucking crazy. 
So for the first stand I'm gonna talk about, this is gonna be the stand of uh, my favorite stand from part three, Stardust Crusaders. Uh, I'm not actually gonna talk about my favorite stand because my favorite stand is the main character Jotaro Kujo's stand, Star Platinum. And I don't wanna talk about that stand because I don't wanna spoil what his power is. It's a big reveal at the end of part three and it's a really cool like reveal, it's a really cool battle. Um, if you haven't seen part three, watch it so that you can see that and then uh, you'll you can just see for yourself because I like I said I really don't want to spoil that one for people I, I anytime I've talked about that part I've like ended up spoiling it for them And it's so much cooler if you don't know by the time you get to part by the time you get to that point Because I didn't know when I got there and it was awesome So I'm gonna talk about my second favorite stand instead uh, Silver Chariot, which is the stand of the character Jean-Pierre Polnareff, who is also one of the main characters. He's one of the Stardust Crusaders. So, Silver Chariot is a stand that manifests as a knight that wields a rapier. Um, he obviously, uh, with, with this, he he fights like a fencer. It's a lot of a lot of sword thrusts and a lot of quick swipes with it. Um, not a sharp blade, but the tip is very sharp. It's said that Star Platinum can slice between dimensions, but I don't really know how true that is. I know he can swing his sword fucking quick because uh, when there was, there was one stand he was fighting that was using, it was traveling around at like the speed of light and he was able to like swipe it out of the air. So he is a very, it is a very quick, very strong, very, uh, actually a very useful stand it has a very um and it is very durable because of the fact that it's wearing armor um Polnareff almost has like a layer of invisible armor over him because uh well when I I didn't say earlier when I was explaining this when I was explaining what stands are but the other kind of factor of stands is whatever damage happens to a stand um, the, it, it happens in the same anatomical place as the stand user. If the stand doesn't manifest as a human and it gets hurt in one spot, then it'll just kind of randomly pick a spot on the stand user and hurt that spot. Granted, not every stand is like this. Uh, so with P Polnareff, with his silver chariot, he has this layer of invisible armor over his skin and uh, it makes it so that he's just a little more durable than everybody else. And um, he, he can actually sacrifice this extra layer of protection for a massive boost in speed. Uh, he's already able to sword thrust really fucking quick. Um, he, he really, he very fast carved a stone to look like a different character's stand. It was just a bunch of stabs. And um, it, it, it looks a lot like the one of the attacks that like Luffy from One Piece does is his gum gum gatling where it looks like he has more than two fists. It's, it's like that, but with a, with a rapier. A lot of the main character stands in uh, in this series punch like that as well. Um, so with that, he gets a massive boost in speed. He gets he makes a bunch of after images, and his after images each can sword thrust like that, and they they can surround an opponent and just make Swiss cheese of them. It's it's ridiculous. Um, he also is able to launch the like blade out of his uh, out of his sword handle as like a ranged attack, but it also leaves him like defenseless he's or uh, offenseless at least it makes it so that he can't do anything to protect himself because he like doesn't have his weapon he has to go physically get it it's not just going to come back um and that can kind of screw him over a lot of the time it has screwed him over at least once or twice um but 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a really useful stand. When when he takes his armor off, he's actually light enough for his stand to lift him into the air, which essentially means he can fly. But he almost never uses that because if he if he's using his stand to fly, it's probably gonna be like for defense. Um, actually, he he did that once, and then towards the end of the series, there's a part where his stand needs to pull him out of the way, and he say, he's complaining that his stand is too weak to pull him out of the way of an, of something that's gonna like, like hurt him. And, but, like, the first time you see his stand take off its armor, it lifts him into the air like it's nothing, so, kind of inconsistent, the author's pretty inconsistent with a lot of the writing, it's just kind of with however he feels like the story should be going at the moment, because he doesn't pre-plan the story as he writes, he just kind of, he figures out what direction he wants to go in, and he just kind of works in that direction. So, Silver Chariot is, it's a pretty solid stand, it's, um, it's a pretty simple stand, I like the stand uh, a fair amount. It's not like out of all the stands in the whole series. It's not really near the top of my favorites, but I don't really think there's a lot of like that great stands in part three. It's kind of hard to pick. Yeah, I actually found it kind of hard to like pick a, a favorite, a, a second favorite, let alone a, like a favorite. The favorite one's simple. You just pick the main character because the main character has the has the coolest stand. He's supposed to. He's the main character. But once you can't really talk about the main character's stand because he's so wildly like overpowered, but you don't know what his power is until the end, um, you're stuck choosing a second one, and the second one you're kind of like uh, slim pickings here. So yeah, part parts four and onward make it a lot easier, but. Part 3 was definitely not an easy one to choose a good stand to talk about. But Silver Chariot, Silver Chariot is is the one. Silver Chariot's a really good stand. I like that stand a lot. And now for my favorite stand from Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable. And in direct reversal from Part 3, this stand actually is pretty close to the top as one of my favorite stands. Uh, this is the stand of the main villain of the series, Yoshikage Kira, and the stand is called Killer Queen. It's named after the Queen song, Killer Queen, and uh, it also has a bunch of sub-stand abilities that are all also named after Queen songs. And uh, it's... It, oh god, it's such a cool stand. It has this, like, piercing stare. It kind of looks like, like, a, like a wrestler, but, like, with... Uh, with like a, like a cat face and it's it's got like this just cold stare because its face doesn't ever move but it just has these big eyes that are all that are always like the pencil thin fucking like slit pupils and like a oh god he's just so cool it's its ability is basically everything it touches turns into a bomb and it this kind of takes so many different like roots on like a couple different roots on this like he touches it with his finger and he kind of has like a thumb, like a button on the side of his of his finger that he can hit with his thumb, and it like it can kind of work a couple different ways. Like he can touch something, and it's a contact explosive, and it makes it so that if they touch it, it activates the bomb, and they start exploding. The object they touched doesn't start exploding, but they start exploding the second they touch it, and. As, as soon as, like, they're done exploding, they completely evaporate. Everything they were wearing, everything they were holding evaporates. There's no evidence. Yoshikage Kira's backstory is he's, like, a serial killer that, like, he used to go around killing girls and taking their hands, and now he has a stand ability that lets him literally blow people up and erase the evidence. 
and stands are something that only people with stands can see and hear. So nobody, even even like with Killer Queen, like even if even even people who have stands, they if they're not looking at the explosion that Killer Queen is causing, they they don't hear it. So it's it's always a silent explosion, but it looks like it's such a ridiculous explosion. The sound effects that you the viewer get are so loud and visceral, and it's just tearing this person apart every time he blows someone up. And it's it's just it's just awesome. You, there is one part where you, he like it zooms in on this girl's hand, and then you kind of see her hand twitch, and then you don't hear anything, and then the camera pans back out, and now it's just a severed hand. Um, so it it's it is definitely supposed to be like you're not looking at it; it's a silent explosion. Um, it also makes it so if you if you he can make it so you touch the bomb. And it's like a detonator, and then he like pick you pick up the object. Maybe it's like your computer mouse. Maybe it's like a stone on the ground. Maybe it's your car keys. Maybe it's the front door to your house. Um, he he touches it, and like if you grab it and you're holding on to it, all he has to do is hit the detonator button on the side of his finger, and again it'll blow up the person who's touching the object, not necessarily the object. That being said, if he touches that object and he throws it at you, he can hit the button and it'll explode before it gets to you, and it's like a full force bomb. He also can make timed explosives with things that he touches. Uh, he'll touch it and like a cheesy little little clock will appear on it, and it, it it's a t it's a time bomb. Um, he's also shown that he like he could if there was like a dense section of air. He can touch that and turn that into an explosive. Towards the end of the part, he kind of takes advantage of the ability of the stand stray cat, which is a cat that got a stand ability, and its ability was that when it died it and was buried in the ground, it was reincarnated as... Uh, as like a, it, it wasn't even reincarnated it, it like grew out of the ground as like a living flower and that flower using photosynthesis can manipulate the air and so killer queen for some reason its stomach kind of opens up like a like a garage door and he just sticks the little pot plant in there the little plant of of uh, stray cat and stray cat shoots out these like pockets of air as little air bullets and he can touch them and they become invisible explosives that for some reason he can control the direction they go um and like that's really cool it adds range to his attack it adds suspense because you can't see where the explosives are it was it was it was a really cool kind of like final like tactic to use against the main characters in a in a big final desperate battle especially once his big macguffin power which i'll talk about a little later uh gets defunct um so his secondary ability is another queen song as i said earlier it's the song it's a sheer heart attack um or the copyright version is just heart attack uh, and it manifests as this little as this little bomb tank that comes out of Killer Queen's left hand. It it has like a spherical body. It's on tank tracks, and it has like a face that's that. It kind of looks like Killer Queen's logo, which is like a skull with kind of like cat horns, like cat ears, but like horns. And um, it just kind of like rides around, and everything it touch whenever it like decides to like once it's reached its target it blows up it's like a heat seeker he has no control over it it's a remote stand he can leave um he can leave sheer heart attack somewhere and just like go about his day and sheer heart attack will definitely kill his uh his target and like normal people can't see 
sheer heart attack, but they can feel sheer heart attack if sheer heart attack's like rolling up on their shoulder. Um, there's one guy that gets killed because sheer heart attack. It, it like he looks at his shoulder and he just sees like tank tracks in his shirt. And then he can, I guess, I don't know if he hears it, but it usually keeps saying, like, look over here, look over here. And then he looks at it and it jumps into his mouth and it just sits in his head for a sec, in his mouth for a sec until it explodes, killing him. And it, when it blows up, it's like still there. It's almost like the little like seams in its spherical body open up and just release an explosion. And, uh, so he he's also indestructible. The main the main guy from part three, Jotaro, is also in part four, and he tries to use his stand, Star Platinum, which is an absurdly powerful punching stand, and he just punches the hell out of Sheer Heart Attack, and it doesn't do anything. It's uh it's one weakness really is that it it always follows heat, so it's very easily tricked. If you like turn on a stove, hopefully it's a gas stove because electrical ones take too long to turn out to to heat up. Um, if you like light a match or something, it's gonna go for that. It, it attacks the the guy earlier that when it was on his shoulder, it attacks him because he was holding a hot cup of tea in his hand, and it like blows up his hand before eventually like jumping down his throat and blowing him up. So, uh, the character who uses the stand echoes. His name's Koichi. He has the uh, abilities to like manipulate sound in specific ways. For example. He writes, he creates the sound effect. He takes, like, the the onomatopoeia for, like, burning. Like, the comic onomatopoeia, he physically takes that. And he, like, condenses it into a ball. And then he attaches it to the front of Sheer Heart Attack. And because Sheer Heart Attack is always chasing heat, if if, if, if you touch the, the sound effect for it, you'll, like, get, you'll burn yourself. And so he's, he's just always left chasing it, like, when you're, like, on the back of, like, a horse and you hold out a carrot in front of it. He's just always going to chase it. So that's one thing that's a little bit of a weakness for Sheer Heart Attack. Uh, also, anything, kind of anything that happens to Sheer Heart Attack in other ways that aren't damage will also affect Kira, just in the way that they only affect his left hand because Sheer Heart Attack is housed in the left hand of Killer Queen. For example, uh, Koichi reaches the final state of his stand, Echoes, um, Echoes Act 3, and its ability is to make things really heavy, and he makes Sheer Heart Attack really heavy to the point where it sinks into a small crater in the ground, and Kira, his hand just suddenly gets really heavy to the point where he very, like, just from the weight of it, he just falls through a table like it's nothing, and then he's on the ground, and, and there's, like, a crack on the on the pavement under his hand. Um, and, it, and like that kind of will screw him over. So any any sort of abilities that like aren't necessarily doing damage, but they have a particular effect, will also take that effect on Yoshikage Kira. If like Magneto from X Men could manipulate the like stand metal body that is Sheer Heart Attack, if he could lift it into the air, Kira would be lifted into the air by his left hand. Um, and and he also like. Uh, sure. It's it's always gonna be bound to his hand, to his left hand. If he like cuts off his left hand, that's like a free stand that he can never call back. And he does call. He does cut off his hand, and he like temporarily doesn't have it. He just does it to like release sheer heart attack as his big, like getaway move. Um, and then his final ability is yet one more Queen song. Another one bites the dust. This is an ability that he gets near the end. He gets hit with the stand arrow again, and uh, it basically... The ability's a little weird. It 
it locks you. It, he, he chooses a person, and then to that person, uh, it, it has to be a person that knows who he is. When he escapes after using sheer heart attack, he use he he makes the use of this other stand user, and he has his like face and hair and fingerprints swapped with this other guy, and then he like just takes over that guy's life basically, just kind of slips on in, and. Um, so it, it, he basically takes somebody who knows who he really is, and then he kind of inserts Killer Queen into them, and it's like a tiny Killer Queen, and it makes it so that if somebody is asking that person about him, like, they're like, hey, is, uh, is your dad, is, is, do you know Yoshikage Kira? Or, like, if, if, and, or if he says it to them, or, like, if he writes it down, and like once they figure out like that he's Yoshikage Kira, as soon as the kid like they get like he gives them confirmation, uh, Killer Queen will like appear in their eyesight, and if they can see, they'll they'll like hear Kira's voice, and he's like, if you can see Killer Queen, he's already inside your eye. There's nothing you can do, and he just blows them up from the inside, and then the the person gets sent back in time, twenty four hour or like, it's like half an hour or like an hour they get sent back in time. And they're like, they will relive that whole morning. And if they try to avoid the person that they blew up, they'll still blow up because that's like locked in. That's like what's fated to happen. And at this point, if Kira calls back, bites the dust, it makes it so that that's 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 it. That person's dead and gone. He just has to take out Killer Queen and then put Killer Queen back in this kid. And then that that death is forever. But if he, within all the times he jumps back in time, he manages to get Kira to call back Killer Queen before anyone has died, no one has died. That's like it. He's freed the timeline. They go through like four loops of trying to get this right, and he ends up on the fourth try getting Kira to admit himself who he is while the main character is actually there. And it's it was just a nuts arc. It was it it was like it was kind of like Groundhog Day. Like he just kept having to relive the last the, the last hour of his the first hour of his morning that he was awake. He kept having to relive it, and then he had to try to figure out himself how to uh, how to win the battle because he wasn't even a stand user, and he just kind of figured everything out and was instrumental ultimately in the victory of stopping Yoshikage Kira. My favorite stand now of uh, of part five Vento Areo or Golden Wind is uh, is White Album. It is the stand of the user Gyacho. Um, it's a really cool stand. It's actually like the first of its kind, and the there's only two of this kind of stand that make an, and they only make an appearance in this particular part. Um, it's a really cool ability. I would think particularly like this kind of gave me the idea of like, ooh, it would be really cool to see drawings of superheroes where the their secret identity is the user. Like Peter Parker is the stand user and like Web Slinger is the is the stand. And it just gives him the ability to be Spider-Man, but it's his stand ability. Um, and just stuff like that. And I think this character is definitely one that, like, he, he's, he's, he's got such a cool ability that you don't see anymore. Like, you, you see his power, I mean, but in JoJo particularly, there aren't stands that the characters wear as, like, a suit, as, like, a, like a battle suit that gives them the superpowers so that they're kind of fighting themselves. 
Usually it's the stand doing a lot of the fighting, but with White Album, Gacho is forced to actually be engaged in the battle himself. And his ability, like Polnareff, kind of gives him a layer of protection. So basically what White Album's ability is, is its ability, it, it is the ability over like cold temperatures. Uh, for one, the bottom of, of the suit, it, it, he kind of looks like it's like a, it's like a speed skater suit almost. Um, and it's all made of like just condensed like ice and he can skate on like not ice like he can skate on pavement and it, he and he moves around like he's actually skating he can freeze the air to below sub-zero temperatures he can freeze freeze the air to like cryogenic temperatures he could freeze you in such a manner that to your perspective time just froze but really you just froze and he could keep you like that for like a week and he can let you out and you'll be like holy shit how long has it been? And you'll be, they'll, he'll tell you it's been a week. Um, he also obviously can like skate across like froze like water and he'll freeze it as he goes. He can also just flat out freeze the water while he's on it. Um, he doesn't have to actually touch something to freeze it. If he's like getting shot at, he, for one, his suit's already solid enough that it's pretty bulletproof, but he also can freeze the air around himself in a way that it creates like an ice shell. Uh, the first time you see him, he's chasing down the main characters who are in a car on a really long road, and he freezes himself to the roof of the car. And his ice is so f is so solid that when he gets shot at, the ice just gets frozen. The the bullets just get frozen in the ice, and then he can very instantly make all the ice that he's made suddenly melt into water. Um, he also has a secondary ability. It's more of a secondary ability like name that he has. It's just kind of like. He does something else with his ability and he's had a name for it. It's called Gently Weeps, named after the song My Guitar Gently Weeps from the White Album by the Beatles. And uh, it's the ability to freeze very specific points in the air to cause the enemy to end up damaging themselves. I think he particularly uses it against, I don't know if he only uses it against people who use guns, but he does end up using it against the main character Guido Mista, who does use guns. And he freezes the air in such a way that the bullets just kind of keep ricocheting off stuff around him before they ultimately fire right back at Mista. Um, and he, he can do that, like, very instantly. Like, he has so, such... If he was, like, an X-Men, like, he would absolutely be Iceman. He would be an Omega-level mutant. He has such an absurdly powerful, like, ice-based ability. And I, I still, I think it's so cool that it's a stand that he wears. The only other stand, I'll give like a little quick thing on him, is a stand called Oasis. It looks like a, like a swimming like bodysuit, and you can swim through solid matter with it. It, it. You can turn the solid matter into like a liquid, and if you're in the ground, you can hear things really well because it's as if you're, you're it, it's like echolocation in like the water. You can hear the sounds like a beluga whale. It's, it's, it's cool. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's everything for, for White Album and the little bit on Oasis. So my favorite stand from the, uh, the, the sixth part of JoJo, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean, um, this stand is, it's such a, like a, like a terrifying concept for a stand. Um, I, I, I hate, like, the idea of being, like, trapped in this situation, it, it like even like reading it you're like ooh like she's lost a lot of time like being stuck like this uh so this stand is called jailhouse lock 
it's named after the song Jailhouse Rock by, uh, you know, by by Elvis. Um, and it's used by the stand user Mucha Mueller, who usually goes by Mew Mew. If I refer to her again, I'll just call her Mew Mew. So Jailhouse Lock is like, like it's a neat stand. Basically what she does is her stand appears on like the wall as if it's like a wallpaper or like a graffiti or something. And if you end up touching it, then it, it activates its ability on you and it basically makes it so that you remember everything up until the moment you touched it. Like absolutely everything you've ever experienced in your life, you remember up until that moment. And then everything like after that, you can only learn three new things. And once you learn a fourth thing, you forget the first thing. So like for for an example of, of a scene like this one really stuck with me. I give this example every time I talk about this stand and just how terrifying it is. There's a part in the in that arc of uh, of Stone Ocean where she goes from her cell, she's covered in writing because she's already lived through a bunch of days and she's and once she realizes what's going on, she just starts writing things down on her body to remember things so that she can just look at herself and try to remember everything. And uh, it'll always keep her on, on track of like what she's supposed to be doing. So she goes and she's eating, she's gonna be eating like lunch. She's in jail, part six takes place in a jail. Uh, she's So she's in like the lunch room in her prison and she's eating her meal and Mew Mew walks over and she's like, hey, is somebody sitting here? And she's like, no. And she's like, cool. Oh, I, or I, I, I stepped on a cockroach. It feels really gross under my foot. I got to get it off my foot. And then she like scrapes it off into Jolene's meal. The main character is Jolene Cujo. She uh, she's 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 the main character of part six. Um, it's her, she's the one suffering this. So the cockroach ends up in her meal and she's like, dude, what the hell? That's gross. You just got a cockroach in my food. And then Mew Mew's like, do you like ketchup? And she starts putting ketchup on it. And Jolene's like, are you kidding me? That doesn't fix every, and it's a cockroach, dude. You put ketchup on it. And then she, she's like, do you like mustard? And then she starts putting mustard on it. And Jolene's like, dude, you gotta be kidding me. There's still a cockroach in there. This is absolutely disgusting. And then she's like, personally, I'm a fan of mayonnaise. And she drops a big glob of mayonnaise on it. And suddenly Jolene's like, ooh, that looks delicious. And she just starts eating it because she forgot the cockroach is there. And it's it's such a, oh, that, like that's, that's the kind of loop she's stuck in. As soon as a fourth thing happens, it's gone. There's a part, another example of, of like how terrifying this is. Uh, there's a part where the, she ends up having these cops like shooting at her and the cop shoots one bullet. She remembers that the cop shoots a second bullet. She remembers that the cop shoots the third bullet. She remembers that she's going to try to shoot to defend herself against all three bullets. The cop shoots a fourth bullet. Now she's forgotten the first bullet that was fired and she's ignoring it. She's trying to get the other three bullets that are coming at her behind the first bullet, which she's now ignoring and is open to getting hit by. And in what she's trying to do, like she's ultimately trying to find out who framed her and who got her trapped in this prison. And obviously this isn't something that's very productive for her. It locks her down for like a week. She loses a lot of time. The villain actually gets like, ultimately the villain of part six wins. So it, it, she, it, it, it screws her over. It, it's really like, wow, this, 
this this can really screw over your life. You're locked. You get three new memories, and that's it. And uh, yeah, there there's a part even she keeps like rewinding a movie because every like three seconds of the movie, like every three significant events in the movie, once the fourth one happens, she's like, wait, 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 I'm confused, and then she goes back, and people just start getting pissed off at her because she's doing this. So, Jailhouse Lock is definitely like it's a really good enemy stand. Because it's one that, like, you see it and you're like, God, I, I, I don't want that. I don't wish that upon anyone. That is, that is evil. Wow, that is evil. So now is my favorite stand from part seven, Steel Ball Run. Uh, Steel Ball Run being like a, uh, it's like a western. It's really cool. They race across America. Um, so my favorite stand of part seven, Steel Ball Run, is Tusk. The stand used by Johnny Joestar, the main character of the part. Tusk is a really cool stand. Tusk is awesome. So there, there's like an ability in Part Seven um, that that Part Seven takes place in an alternate universe from the first six parts, and as as a result of it taking place in an alternate universe, it's basically just a Part Seven's kind of an alternate like version of part one with like a lot of significant differences mind you but it is kind of a it is kind of like a different part one so in part one of jojo's bizarre adventure that was pre-stands they used an ability called hamon where they used breathing techniques to channel the power of the sun in order to fight the undead monsters that they were going up against um such as zombies ghouls and vampires and part seven is so far removed from part one that there is no Hamon in it. Um, but there is a version of Hamon that goes along with the stands. And uh, so this ability is called spin. And it's an ability that it kind of just does what the user needs it to do. But with spinning. And Hamon kind of became that too. Hamon was like a it does what the user needs it to do as long as it kind of works with the rules of Hamon, which is just that it needs to it needs to be from breathing and they need to be touching something that can that can like conduct electricity as long as it can conduct electricity it can conduct Hamon. um and spin is just is if you spin these balls and you touch them down it'll it'll do some things and it'll do exactly what you need it to do Two, two completely different examples, for example, of, of, of how situational Spin is. Uh, there's a part where the, the character who introduces Spin to the series, Gyro Zapelli, is like about to ride through a forest. He's about to ride his horse through a forest, and he just drops two steel balls near like at the, at the base of some trees near the front of the forest, and the spinning of the balls just makes like the forest like open up for him, and it just makes a path. But then a separate time that he does it, he is like, it's in his backstory and he's like sleeping with this girl and his dad is about to come in and he doesn't want his dad to know that he's sleeping with this girl. So he just starts spinning a ball and he puts it on her back in a, in a spot that he can't see it. And it's, it just like wrinkles her she looks old like she's like her hair looks like it's falling out and her whole body is just wrinkled and old and he just thinks that he's tending to a patient and then he takes the ball away and now she's fine and like just 
That's like, that's how situational spin is. It's, it's literally exactly what you needed to do. And they do introduce something to spin called the golden ratio. If you like spin the ball while picturing like this perfect, like golden ratio, like rectangle, the ball will just infinitely spin forever. Um, and it's, it, it, it causes like different effects and I'll kind of get into those like once I've talked about Tusk. And I'm only going to talk about the infinite spin of what Tusk does. Uh, so Tusk, when it's first introduced, is Tusk Act 1. Much like the stand I mentioned earlier, Echoes, it's a stand that evolves with its user. Um, Tusk Act 1 manifests as it looks like a weird little alien bird. And... Uh, what it, what it does is it gives the user, Johnny Joestar, the ability to shoot his fingers off, his fingernails off, like bullets. Even just like, he just points his fingers and his, you'll see his fingernails, like, they'll be like spinning and then they, they just shoot off like a bullet and they can, they can cover like a, like a, like a bit of a distance and then they just kind of stop. And then he doesn't have a fingernail on that finger. But, and he can, but it grows back faster, and it grows back even faster if he drinks teas based on, like, the herbs he finds along his journey. Chamomile, he says, particularly grows his fingernails back faster. And, uh, he can also do this on his toenails, but the neat little factor with Johnny Joestar is that he's a paraplegic, so he very rarely uses his feet, other than once. There is a time when he does, and it's when a situation calls for it. He also can do, like, an air slash when, like, his fingernails are spinning. If he doesn't want to, like, shoot a fingernail off and, like, be down a nail, then he can just kind of swing his hand and it does, like, an air slash. Um, and then he... So that's... that. The basic ability is just you point your finger, bang, bang. There's two nails gone, two bullets down. Um, and then there's Tusk Act 2, which he gets later on. I believe this is once he learns how to utilize the golden ratio, and he, uh, it makes it so that if he shoots his nail and he misses, it'll make a bullet hole in, 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 like, the thing that was behind the person he was trying to shoot, and then the hole will start spinning, and then it'll, it'll move to try to get to the person, like, it, it just starts spinning and moving along the ground, and once it gets on them, it becomes as though they got shot there, so, there's a part, he, like, shoots a bullet, it hits a tree, and then the bullet starts spinning, and the guy's like, ha, you missed, chump, and then the bu the bullet hole starts moving down the tree, and then it gets on his foot, and then he feels as though he got shot in the foot, and he has a bullet hole in his foot, and it gets to absurd extents to where there's another part where he shoots, he misses, he like hits a tree, a butterfly like lands on the tree and it kind of flaps its wing down. And then once its wing to like kind of touches the tree, now there's a hole in the butterfly wing. And then the butterfly like starts flying and it flies over and it lands on the guy's shoulder. And then it kind of flaps its wings down, and then once its wing hits the guy's shoulder, now the guy has a bullet hole in his shoulder, and there's no hole in the butterfly wing, and the guy's been shot in the, in the neck. And it just basically makes it so that Johnny can't miss. It just makes it so that the bullet holes chase down his opponents. And he has to, like, he, when he does this, he, like, positions his hand, like, his his index finger with his with his thumb. He has to p position them in the way that they make up at least two lines of the golden ratio rectangle. 
Um, Act 3, I can't remember necessarily how Act 3 came about. I do remember it came up in that, like, an image of Jesus came up and, like, basically told him to turn the other cheek. Oh, that that's this is what it was. It told him to shoot himself. And when he shot himself... It made, obviously it makes a bullet hole in himself when he shoots himself, and then his whole body can spin into the hole. And then the hole falls to the ground, and then another hole will pop up elsewhere, and he can, like, spin out of it and then attack you from elsewhere. Or he can, like, shoot himself in the hand, and then his hand will will spin into a bullet hole on the ground, and then he'll be laying on the ground with his arm being fed into this tiny hole, and then another tiny hole will open up somewhere else, and he can feed himself through it, through this through this bullet hole, and come out the other side like a tiny portal, and shoot from over there. And it, I, I, I think that also is like, he has to shoot himself with the golden ratio thing going on with his fingers, and, uh, it's 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 a, it's a neat power like he uh, he uses it a good few times and it was it was really neat looking when he used it the the artist is a really good artist he's really good at like drawing this stuff so it looks really cool when he uses that power and like shoots himself and he spins into the hole it's it's a weird power to explain but like if you see it it makes more sense and that's a lot of stands in this part is if you see it and not even in this part just in this series I guess if you see it it makes sense explaining it is like you have to really explain it um so that's 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 tusk act three and tusk act four is basically he has to be riding his horse and then his horse's gyrations in the different sections of its body all have to make up golden ratio rectangles this is so like like it's weird to explain and it was weird to see it in the manga. I don't, I don't fully know how to explain it, so I'm just, I'm just going with what I remember seeing. So it's like every part of the horse's body is like making up its own individual golden ratio. There's like a golden ratio in his leg. There's a golden ratio in his other leg. His like neck and head fit into a golden ratio, and his body's like gyrating in a in a specific way. And then Johnny would like be launched off of the body, and then. His body is spinning in a way that various parts of his body are making the golden ratio, and then he has to make the golden ratio with his index finger and his thumb, and then he shoots, and when the bullet hits, it becomes, it, it like, it's almost as if it strikes all of his, all the person's cells, and their cells just start spinning, like, uncontrollably, and they, it'll also, like, make the appearance of, like, uh, a, like a cowboy-esque being with like a big like bead poncho like they'll be rapid jojo punching the opponent and then this and then that kind of activates it so once their cells are spinning they're kind of locked to their original position they can be sitting there still and their cells will be spinning but as soon as they try to move away everything tries to spin them back to that spot and it looks weird the, the main villain has the ability to go into other dimensions by getting between objects. And he, uh, 
he, he ends up trying to escape this by going to an alternate universe and then handing off his stand and his experiences to the alternate universe counterpart to himself. And then once that counterpart to himself gets that, all of his cells start spinning and he starts being forcibly like he just gets sucked into the ground and then he pops back up where the other villain was and then he tries again and it, it just keeps happening over and over and over until eventually he like begs Johnny to make it stop and the way Johnny has to make it stop is he has to be doing everything kind of in reverse spinning the other way countering the spin that's been placed on on the, his victim ultimately and uh, that's that's it for uh, the part 7 stand tusk used by Johnny Joestar and lastly on uh, this journey through the stands on how cool are these powers is uh, my favorite stand from part 8 Possibly my favorite stand out of the whole series, honestly, uh, Nut King Cole, or Nut King Call. It's named after Nat King Cole, who is like a, like a lounge singer, I guess. I think he's like the same kind of music as Frank Sinatra. Um, so this is a really cool ability. It's used by the character Joshu Higashikata, who is kind of one of the main characters of Part 8. Uh, it's an ability that it has a really cool looking stand. It's stand is like a humanoid stand that like it has it has sort of a, a common rider inspired like V thing on his forehead and it has all like these screws and nuts and bolts sticking out of its neck. And its ability is basically it's almost as if it's like pointing out that all objects and things are held together by nuts and bolts and he can remove those nuts and bolts and like attach those nuts and bolts in different ways. So think like if think think of your hand as being attached to your wrist by a singular nut and bolt. If he takes off the nut, your hand just falls off and he can put your hand on your other wrist and you're, you can swap your hands on their wrists just by nut, like bolting them down. Or if you have your hand on something, he can bolt your hand down to that, down to like a wall or something. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's like just being, like psychically locked down to whatever you're 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 touching. And there's so many different things he can do with this. If you're like, if you say you get in a car, he can remove the bolt that is holding your car door down, so he can get to you. If he needs to, like, get in somewhere, he can basically just, like, release the bolts that hold the wall onto something. He has, like, all these different uses for his power. I think his stand can also, like, physically do the punching and whatnot, because it is a humanoid stand. But its general ability is based around, like, nuts and bolts and attaching and detaching things with nuts and bolts. Um, there's... He, 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 I would think he could probably, like find a way to like open a hole in a wall so he could get through um he he could like he could separate people he, he could he could like mix up people by like attaching them with different nuts and bolts and if he's like far enough away the nuts and bolts disappear and they just become stuck as they are he actually like everybody can see these nuts and bolts even if they don't have a stand he can they can see these nuts and bolts so they'll see like a nut and bolt appear and they'll be like what the hell is that and then he could just make the nut fall off and then they lose their hand and they're like what and he can he could make somebody else lose their hand and then switch their hands and now suddenly like they have each other's hands he could he, he could do that with like tons of different things he could be like Theoretically, he could create whole new objects if he, if he, if need be, just by like mixing and matching things with nuts and bolts. 
It's a really neat stand. Part eight, um, it's not like a it's not like a done part. It's still going, and it's been going for a really long time. So I honestly can't remember a huge amount of these stands. But I do remember really thinking Nut King Cole or Nut King Call was a really cool stand. Um, there's like a good bunch of really cool stands in part eight, but I gotta reread it to be able to talk about a lot of these stands because it has been a long time. I got into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in like 2016, 2017, and I haven't read part eight really since then other than like being caught up, but it keeps going on a hiatus and there's only a new chapter every month and I kind of fell behind to let it like build up a little bit, so. I'm a little bit behind. I'm not familiar with a huge amount of the stands to to a, to some extent. I almost didn't talk about a part eight stand for this episode, so I you know here I here I am talking about a part eight stand because I didn't honestly want to leave part eight out. And Nut King Call is my favorite stand out of the whole series. I just think it's a really neat stand. I really like its design a lot. I like its color palette. I I just think it's a cool stand and. There's not a huge amount to say about it. Honestly, I, I don't have much else to say about it. It's just a cool stand. So, with that said, um, here we are at the end of the podcast, at the end of uh, How Cool Are These Powers. And I hope you enjoyed listening to the second episode of, uh, of How Cool Are These Powers. If I get enough of these episodes going and I get enough people watching them, enough people kind of, like, come to my Twitter then uh, I'll start putting up, like, polls of powers people can, like, maybe vote to have me talk about. Uh, I'm open to talking about pretty much any superpower because there's a few superpowers that aren't favorite superpowers of mine, and favorite superpowers are what I talk about here. I like superpowers. I like all the superpowers. I think they're all awesome. So they're all gonna, they're all gonna have a place here on this podcast, and... The, the further I go, I might start talking about superpowers I don't really think about too much, so I'll have to do a little bit of research into some of them, but that's why I think it'd be a good idea to have the people who listen to this show uh, have some input in what I decide to talk about on this show. So, before I go, I'm just going to talk about my uh, a few things you can follow me on and get a little more of me through the week. Um, I have a Twitter and an Instagram. Both are at the same username, Draws. Uh, I post some art there, mostly post the art on my Instagram, and Twitter is more for just engaging with people and kind of, like, retweeting artists and interacting with other artists and interacting with pe- with just people on, on Twitter in general. Um, and then Instagram is just where I'll be posting a lot of my, uh, is where I'll be posting my art. Um, Twitter also will be where, where I'm going to be posting about whenever I do Twitch streams. I do Twitch streams every once in a while. Um, kind of less so lately, but I'm trying to get in. I'm trying to figure out a good schedule for it now that my girlfriend's back in school. And with her being in school, she kind of has this consistent schedule for me to kind of base my schedule around. So I'm going to f- get that figured out, and then I'll be back on streaming regularly. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me on twitch.tv slash Plays. Um, I do, you know, video games on there. I'm going to be doing art on there at some point. I have some stuff I got to color that I want to color on stream so I can color them digitally because I suck at coloring with pencil crayons and I want to get good at coloring digitally because when I'm writing my own comic, I want to color it digitally but while drawing it traditionally. Uh, so, yeah, that's everything you can find me on. Um, I've been Donnie. I hope you enjoyed listening, and I will uh, see you guys all, or talk to you guys all next week. See ya.